as we look at a detour in life today, just thinking upon, uh, oftentimes God does things in our lives that may seem like a lot harder journey to go. Lord, why can I not go from point A to point B in a straight line? Why can't I just go from this step to this step without having to do, you know, like 20 miles around to get to point B. You know, sometimes you're thinking, I got to go to A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, you know, and then get to Z right at the end, right, uh, to make your straight, what could have been a straight line. And uh, we have these detours in life, and you're thinking, why am I doing this? Now, a little illustration for you. A pastor was outside sitting on his porch one day and thinking about the unpredictability of life. At any moment, one's life can change, and so one should live every moment looking to the Lord. As the preacher sat there, his neighbor passed by leading his horse. The preacher called out to him, what are you doing with your horse? The man answered, I'm going to, going to town to sell it. The pastor said, you ought to say that you're going to sell it if it's the Lord's will. The man replied, what does this have to do with the Lord's will? This is a good, healthy horse, and it will be sold before you know it. The pastor said, have you forgotten that God is watching you? You need to put everything in God's hands in order for it to work out. You should say, if it be the Lord's will. The neighbor then said, this is my horse, and I have raised it specifically to be sold. I've even gotten a buyer for it. The Lord won't change anything. Later that day, the neighbor passed by the preacher's house again. The astonished pastor asked, what happened to you? The man replied, well, I talked to you for so long that I was running late for my appointment with my buyer. To get there on time, I took a shortcut through a cornfield owned by a cranky old buzzard. Well, that farmer saw me trampling through his field, and he started shooting at my horse. The horse panicked and fell over on top of me, then it kicked me in the eye. Trying to get out from under the horse, I tore my clothes to pieces. I ran from that old man and his gun, smack dab into a barbed wire fence. That's what happened to me. <laughs> the pastor asked, well, where are you going now? The man answered, well, I'm going home now, if it be the Lord's will. <laughs> a little, little humor for you, but every one of us Christians, sometimes we have things in our life, and we think we're going to do it, and God has different plans. <laughs> That's quite humorous. Uh, I don't know why. Anyways... But we must realize that God does have a plan for our lives. We need to stop trying to lead our lives our own way. God has a specific will. And I need to be willing to follow God, whatever he does, whatever he wants me to do. Sometimes we're like the man who fell from the horse and feel like that God's will is not important. This is what I know I need to do. I mean, it just makes rational sense. It makes logistical sense. It makes financial sense. This is what I need to do. But oftentimes, in the process of trying to do what we think we ought to do, we incur a lot of unintended hardships. We try to get from point A to point B in a straight line, and that's not God's will. We must realize that God's ways are not ours. We don't think like the Lord does. And so may we let the Lord lead our life wherever that is for his good and for our good. In Exodus 13, verse 17, as we look at this passage of Scripture, and it came to pass when Pharaoh <clears throat> had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Notice with me here what's going on. They said that was near. For God said, peradventure, the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt, but God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. Now, if you think about geographically, here's Egypt right in the top, right, you know, northwest corner of Africa, and you have the Sinai Peninsula, and then you have Israel. So the fastest way would have been to go, like, right here, right by the coast, up in, right, geographically. But Israel doesn't do that. They go here, and then they go down around the peninsula, and then they end up wandering for 40 years. 
That's a long time. Although that was near, for God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. Be it known that here is Israel. Let me do it backwards for you. Here's Egypt and here's Israel. Do it in your direction, right? So if they went this direction by the coast, there's the Philistines here. God says, if you go this direction, you're going to encounter a lot of additional enemies. Now, there was enemies in this way, but a whole lot less. Remember, what is Israel doing? They're just coming out of Egypt. They're slaves. They're fragile. They're a whole bunch of farmers. They're very weak. They're not ready for the battles that God wants them to go. Verse 18. But God led the people out through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harness out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from the people." As we find in this passage of Scripture, we're going to come to the Lord here shortly, we find a detour in life. And I want to ask you, maybe in your life, you've had to do some things, you've had to go a direction in life, and you didn't want to go that way. You thought, this is not where I want to be, this is not what I want to do, and man, you're just like, this doesn't make sense. And as you're going, sometimes you're very begrudgingly going on that Red Sea path. But the very path you're on is a path of life rather than the path of destruction. If Israel would have gone by the way of the coast into the promised land, we may very well never read of Israel today. See, Christian, we need to follow God's leadership. Because going our own way will put us in encounters with an enemy with which we're not prepared. And it can very well be our destruction. And so with those thoughts, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that we would not have a detour in life wherein, Lord, we're kicking and grumbling and mumbling about why we are, where we're at, why we're doing what we're doing. But, Father, we would just get in line to follow you. Lord, you gave a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night to lead your people. Lord, we have clear direction. Sometimes that direction is the very thing that we don't want to do. We don't want to be here. We don't want to be there. But Father, it is your will. Lord, may we see that you're doing a great work. And Father, as I preach your word this morning, Lord, I just ask that you would help me to preach it as you would want me to. Give me the words to speak and the conviction that I ought to speak the conviction on our hearts. 
And Lord, may we just be thankful for the path that you have led us. And Lord, if we've gotten off the path, may we get back on, just as Israel did. Lord, may we be thankful for the deliverance that we've had from the power of sin. If there's anyone this morning that is not saved, or maybe they're trusting in their church or something else, membership, baptism, you name it, but not in the faith, trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ as resurrection. God, I pray that today would be the day. Lord, may we be thankful for the detours you give, knowing that you see the enemies before us and your desire is to protect us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all that you'll do. In your precious name I pray, amen. If you look at verses 17 and 18 here, you find that God mentions that when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the, not through the land, not the way of the land of the Philistines. You know, God knew two significant paths, facts here. A little illustration for you. His shortest route to the promised land went up along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, right through the land of the Philistines. If you were to look in the back of your Bible at a map of this area, the Philistines were incredibly aggressive, bitter enemies of God's people. They were a warrior-like people, and they would feel threatened by two or three million people, presumably marching through their land. And so what would they do? They'd attack them, and it would be a great slaughter. God's people were not strong enough to fight. I mean, they were not even strong enough to have a faith to fight. They got to the Red Sea, and they freaked. I mean, they literally just freaked out at the Red Sea. They're just leaving Egypt. You know, a young believer, as they come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, God <laughs> will spare them from some of the trials that he will allow in the life of a believer who's a little bit more spiritually mature. If I had to go through some of the things that we've gone through when I've been older that I did when I was a young Christian, man, it would have been very difficult. But God knows what we can handle. I mean, God's people are not strong enough to fight. They have few, if any, weapons with which to fight. They're just getting, I mean, they're just like, freedom from Egypt, woohoo! Grab all you can and get out before he changes his mind. I mean, they've been reared as slaves. They're used to people demanding and commanding them. And, you know, they have no military training. They're used to being whipped and yelled at and screamed at and looked down upon. They're not used to taking the command and lead to fight. They had broken spirits. And God knows what his people need. They need to be forever freed from the Egyptians. In just a short while, God would destroy the Egyptian army. They needed to be hardened and toughened by living in the wilderness for several decades before facing the enemies that they would come up against there in Canaan land. They needed to be humbled and proved to see exactly what was in their hearts, whether or not they would keep God's commandments. In Deuteronomy 8, 2, it tells us, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee. And to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. God knows what we can handle and when we can handle it. And you might be thinking, I don't know about that. I think there's some things in my life a lot harder than what God thinks that I can handle. 
but you're not God. You know, sometimes people would say, I'd sure like to know what the future looks like. I'd sure like to know what lies ahead on the path of my life. Would you really? Would you really like to know what would lie ahead? I mean, the very thing, would you like to know that maybe in 10 years, someone you dearly love has cancer and dies, or tragically dies in a car accident? Would you like to know all of these things now? No, I wouldn't. Because it would be overbearing, I couldn't handle it. It's enough just for today let al- and the past, let alone have to deal with the future. God gives me the instructions that I need for every step of life. Here's some lessons on God's character that we can learn. God's character and God himself will not lead you to where you will be destroyed. How do I know this? He's a father. What father, and it talks about in the New Testament, a father's not going to give his son, if he asks for food, he's going to give him a stone or a serpent. God knows when we're weak, and he knows how to help us. You might be thinking, this trial is not a help. God is not going to lead me down a path that will lead me back into bondage. God doesn't do that. Now we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1-3, through 3, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, yet ne- neither yet now are ye able. For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, and divisions, are ye not carnal, walk as men. Uh, here is the Apostle Paul talking to the church of Corinth. I mean, they're just a whole bunch of weak babies. They're not ready for all the meat and all the stuff that's necessary for the real, uh, for you know the great uh, to do great things for God. They just need to learn how to get along, and they need to learn how to have a vibrant relationship with Christ. You know the Bible tells us. Look at me in First Corinthians ten thirteen. We'll come back here, but First uh, Corinthians chapter ten verse thirteen. And the fact is, when we act impulsively and hastily we make some very foolish decisions. And sometimes we go down a path as a detour from God's prescribed direction and we encounter enemies and hardships that we didn't expect to encounter. I mean, you could look at Elimelech there in the book of uh, Ruth. He didn't expect that he would die and his two sons would die in the land as he ran from a famine to a land of plenty. A person can run from a place of danger to a place of safety and think they're going to be safe only to find more danger in the place of safety or the presumed safety than they did in a place of danger. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God knows what I can handle. Now, look with me in Matthew 6, 24, another passage of Scripture. In this very act of God, God, one of the things I know about God, and we find here in this very opening passage in verses 17 and 18, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, we'll eventually get there uh, as we're continuing our study 
uh, through the uh, Sermon on the Mount. We'll get there next week, Lord willing. Uh, not this particular passage, but Matthew 6, 24. Uh, it says, and she went forth and said unto her, oh, that's Mark. Let's try that again. You're probably thinking, where is he? <laughs> Matthew 6, not Mark 6. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And the fact is, God did not, if you go back to the Exodus passage, He says, less peradventure, at the end of verse 17, Exodus 13, 17, less peradventure, the people repent when they see war and return to Egypt. God does not want me to return to my old way of life. He doesn't. He doesn't want me turning around and saying, man, life was a lot better when I wasn't a Christian. That's not true. You might have had moments where it did. But it's an act of the will of Israel to say, we're going to follow God on a path that sometimes seems like the long way around. Now, we also find something else here. Verse 18, but God led. That is my dependence. I want to ask you a question today. How good of a follower are you? When you have an authority in your life, how good do you follow that authority? I'm not going to let anyone tell me what to do. Okay, well then, God will never lead you. You can say Jesus is good all day long. But if you cannot be led, you will not be a good follower of Christ. The path to the promised land was filled with obstacles. But under God's leading, you can avoid unnecessary enemies and unnecessary harm. God led Israel through a well-paved path out of Egypt. I mean, the easy path. The easy way. God doesn't lead them the easy way. He leads them through a difficult path, through a sandy desert. Why? Because when they get into the promised land, what are they going to have to do? Are they going to have to go into battle? If you have a whole bunch of players, like if I was to go and try to start playing hockey against a very well-skilled team, I would be flat on my rear end most of the game. Because I can skate like around in a circle. But all this movement back and forth and then trying to add into that the coordination of a stick and then dealing with a puck, I would be in a whole heap of trouble. I don't have the strength. I don't have all the core strength. So God is strengthening Israel for the battles that they will eventually hit. Now, they made it longer because of their complaining and dissatisfaction with God. But God was strengthening Israel to get ready for the battles that lie ahead. I have a friend of mine that I was able to just see. His wife just had a double mastectomy, stage 2 breast cancer, and uh, he's got a daughter who's sick, almost 16. She's, her heart is failing, and she may not make it much longer. He's got a wife, very sick, and he's got a daughter he's about ready to lose. I think that's a pretty strong trial. But what he's going through now, years ago, he wouldn't have been able to. And he tells me, he said, Psalm 27 is kind of my song of, you know, my psalm of Evangeline. His daughter's name is Evangeline. You know, that's a great trial. 
I don't know what the great trial is in your life, what you've gone through, or what lies ahead for you. I don't know that. And sometimes the very thing you're doing right now, you might be saying, this makes no sense why I'm doing this. Yet in following God, Israel was avoiding mortal danger. Not only this, as God led Israel out of Egypt, whose name is on the line? Whose character is on the line? God's name, right? God's glory. I mean, you think about it. Israel comes out of Egypt. Woohoo! Freedom! And now they're demolished. <laughs> Wiped out by the Philistines. Where does God get the glory in that? God's not going to give you freedom only to bring you back into bondage. You know what? The thief doesn't wait in the middle of nowhere to steal from someone on a hard road. The thief will go oftentimes along a well-trodden path, he'll hide out to get his unsuspecting, you know, his unsuspecting victim. So sometimes the hard way avoids those thieves and robbers. And we find here, in verse 18, God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed, harnessed, out of the land of Egypt. They lined up. Uh, the word harness there is kind of like lined up for war, but they're not ready. God continually gives us warnings and instructions, just as God did there in the Garden of Eden, right? He said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. From the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die, God said. God's desire, Isaiah 45, 22, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there's none else. And, and Israel follows him because they have no leadership, and so they're thankful to follow him. Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Help. We want God to help us, but help of God necessitates demands that I follow. To follow is to subject my will and give it into and give into his will help we want god to fix the situation the fixing of the situation demands my resignation of my will for his will in 1 samuel 7:3 in obedience to god leads to deliverance from enemies. And it says here, And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do, return unto the Lord with all your hearts, and put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. We understand also from Deuteronomy that God sets a clear path of deliverance for his people. Deuteronomy 9. I mean, God gave a clear path, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. What greater, I mean, if you see a big old cloud and you know God says, follow the cloud, what do you do? You follow the cloud, right? You see a big old pillar of fire by night, you're thinking, whoa, what do you do? You follow it. One of the things, I want you to look with me at Psalm 139. So many Christians, myself as I include in this, we do not want to resign my will, submit my will to anyone else. 
And thankfully, God, he has a pretty strong hand to help in the breaking process. It's not fun, but he has a good way of breaking that will. I remember back in the military days, I thought, man, they're never going to break me. They didn't, but God sure did. And boy, did that hurt. Psalm 139.9, If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. <clears throat> we have an omnipresent God, meaning he's everywhere. We have an omniscient God, meaning he knows everything. He knows all. And so may this be our mindset as we think about the path that God's calling us to in Psalm 5. A detour in life. I'm not getting very far today on this, but just as you contemplate and think about your life and where it's gone, what's happened in your life. In Psalm 5, 7, and 8, But as for me, I will come into thy house, and the multitude of thy mercy... Psalm 5, verse 7, In thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Verse 8, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness. Why? Because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. The way may not be straight, but David's saying, Lord, make your way straight. That's the straight way. That's the right way. That's the, really, the ultimately the easiest way. And Israel starts off strong, and they say, hey, you know what? We can't go the easy way, presumably easy way, because we're vulnerable. I remember there was a time when I was in Ohio. I was there for six months. I was there in the military. I was doing a project, and I had broken my foot. And, and as I was at a particular church, I, here I am, TDY, temporary duty, like a business trip, gone for six months from my station, and... Uh, I had to go to a church that I had just recently started attending, and I had to ask for help. <laughs> I hated it. Oh, I hated it. I couldn't drive because I broke my right, my, uh, my, uh, right foot. And uh, I had a clutch in my vehicle. So I had to have people drive me around for a while. I had to be dependent upon others. And I had to be dependent upon God. And God knows how vulnerable and how weak we are. I don't care how strong you think you are, God knows how weak you are. He knows my every step. His wisdom, it frees me and allows me to have a walk for Him. We talked about that God does not put us into bondage again. God will not lead you out into freedom and put you back into bondage. He doesn't do that. God doesn't exploit me. He doesn't entrap me in a sinful lifestyle. He will not do that. It tells us, neither tempteth thee any man, as James 1, 13-15 in context will give you. Those who are recently delivered from the shackles of sin, they need to be protected. Romans 14 tells us, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus 
But there's nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. So you know what, someone, an individual could say, meat is bad. I like meat. I like meat a lot. I'd have a hard time if I didn't have meat. But if I was around someone with whom meat, they said you shouldn't eat meat. Yeah, I won't eat meat. Around you. For as short as I have to be, you know. But uh, you, the, the idea is don't cause an offense unnecessarily. Now, there's some doctrinal things you, you can't do, but uh, in this instance, our liberty as a Christian, we've been given liberty. It is not as a cause for offense. And God realized Israel was weak, they were vulnerable, and he did not want to unnecessarily cause them to return to Egypt. If they're going to want to return to Egypt, it's going to be because they're dissatisfied with God, not because God has made, not because God uh, has put them, you know, in the very place. Now, Satan, what does Satan want to do? Satan wants to exploit our weaknesses. Now, when you as a believer are going through a hard trial, there is sometimes a strong inclination or strong desire to say, this whole Christian thing isn't working out for me. Right? In Revelation chapter 2, verse 14, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed and idle, and to commit fornication. The, the, the story behind that is Balak went to Balaam. He says, I want you to curse Israel in the desert. Or I want you to curse Israel. And Balaam said, that sounds like a great idea. Let me go ask God, see what he says. God tells Balaam, do not curse Israel. Balak comes again. I'll give you more money and I'll make you, you know, very powerful in my kingdom. Wow, sounds wonderful. God says, no. Then at a point, eventually the donkey begins to talk to him and, uh, you know, makes him look like a complete fool. But, Bal- but he eventually comes to a place. He said, Balak, I, God won't let me curse Israel, but if you want to hurt Israel... Let your daughters and sons marry Israel. And that's how you'll destroy Israel. And here is Israel coming out of Egypt in a magnificent display of God's glory and power. We understand that God knows my every step in life. He knows my every step. He knows my every dismay. He knows what I can deal with and he knows what I'm capable of enduring. The issue is not whether you're strong enough, because none of us are. The issue is, am I willing to let him be my strength through this trial? Will I abandon my will to let God have his way in my life? Am I thanking God for the struggles I go through? Or do I moan and groan as life is hard? And we find the very thing here in verse 19... Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you. You shall carry my bones away hence. It's a prophetic path. God promised a grand plan for the children of Israel. One day fully give them the promised land. You can find that in Genesis 18. It was also there that Joseph made the promise. He says Israel, or his dad, Jacob, but Jacob was later changed to Israel, creating the nation of Israel. And... um, Joseph said, carry my bones with you when you get to the promised land. It was still at the forefront of his mind. Someday, 
this people is only temporarily in Egypt, they're going to the promised land. Genesis chapter 50, he would say this, carry my bones. Joseph, at that point in Egypt, believed the promises of God to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God was, his promises, though unfulfilled at that time, were still to be assured. They were going to come. He believed it. And Christian, sometimes what this path, as we think, is a detour, is the path that God wants to use that we can do the greatest good for him. That we can have the strength that we need for every trial of life when we get around. And our mindset on earth is that I may not get all the promises of God. We don't get all the promises of God because I don't have a new body yet. And you don't have a new body. Someday in glory we will. We must be persuaded that if you, number one, as a Christian, you must know that you're in God's will. If you're not, you know, every day you're thinking, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I here? Why am I not doing this? You must know you're in God's will. Israel was in God's will. They had just escaped Egypt. They are in the freedom of God. God's leading them. They're vulnerable. And vulnerability before God is a good thing to be. We don't like it. Because we want to be strong ourselves. I'm independent. I'll do it myself. It's a mindset. But unfortunately, that flies in the face of what God desires of us. To be dependent, not independent. Because independence is pride. And that's an abomination, as Proverbs talks about. There is a perfect path. There is a great need to abide in Christ, not only for deliverance, but to get to the promised land. How do I do all that God wants to do for my life? It's every day make, taking the proper step with what God wants. Every day meditating and dwelling upon God's words. If you're willing to follow and not be independent, but de be dependent, God will give you clear guidance forward. If you're independent, life's going to be a lot harder for you. You're going to be discouraged, you're going to moan, you're going to groan, you're going to complain about all sorts of things that are getting in your way of being the deep, independent person that you want to be. What I mean, you can look at the story of the scriptures whenever Israel was independent. It didn't end well for them. And God wants to lead his people. And God knows the path for your life. If you're willing to follow him, he will lead you through the rough parts. In John chapter 16. Look with me here, verse 13. John 16, 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into, into what? All truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Truth. Truth is where I need to go. He will guide you. 
Now, guiding you means you're not leaning on your own understandings, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all thine heart, lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. God wants to lead me to deliverance and restitution. He gives us a cloud by day. We as believers have the Holy Spirit of God. That word, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, Greek, pneuma, as in like air, pneumatic, right? Pneumatic. And here is a cloud that God uses to lead. A pillar of fire by night. So God gives us a cloud by day like the Holy Spirit. You have a fire like the Word of God. Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Here is the, the cloud, like the Spirit of God, to lead us and guide I mean, the air. It really is just air, a cloud. But like the Holy Spirit of God, the Bible tells us, John 6, 63, it is the Spirit that quickeneth. The word quicken is to bring alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And I just said, howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come. So here's the spirit of God, like the pneuma, the air, God in our spirit inside of me, he guides me. The pillar of fire by night, when the Bible tells us, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 105, a pillar of fire. So we have the Holy Spirit and the word of God. Two pictures. We understand that God's word is a guiding fire, it's a conviction, uh, it shows me the areas of sin in my heart. And it keeps the truths of God. For, I mean, they lead me. I'd like you to look with me at Psalm 43. Psalm 43, 3. Psalm 43, 3. Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Here in Psalm 43, 3. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacle. Psalm 43, 4. Then will I go into the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my what? Countenance. That's your attitude. He's the health of the very countenance. He's the health of my attitude. Have you ever noticed someone and you look at them, you're like, man, they look like, you know, they're just very sour. Or man, they look super happy. There's a countenance, right? You can say one thing to a person and all of a sudden, it can go from a moment of sadness to joy, or joy to sadness, or vice versa, you name it. But, we can see a countenance change. The health of my countenance, and my God. We must keep the truths of God. Keep the Father's commandments, and forsake not the law of thy mother. The pillar of cloud by day, and the pillar of fire by night. How do we walk in the dark? Life can be dark. We don't know what we're supposed to do. God's given us the very manual for doing that. He's given us the spirit to guide us. 
The Spirit of God will never conflict with the Word of God. The Word, and, and, and the very truth is, this is the, the, this is the standard. If I want the health to know where to go in life, and it might be a detour as you see it, but in fact it's the straight way as God sees it. How often a lot in our lives do we resist and fight against our struggles? When what is really needed is a change in our attitude to thank the Lord for what we're going through. We also ought to thank the Lord because he's preparing us for future battles in life. If what you're doing now, <clears throat> and you continually think like, man, I keep feeling like I'm just banging my head against the door and it doesn't seem like I'm making any progress in life, maybe you're trying to be too independent. Or maybe you're trying to be independent. Not too, just independent. You're not going to make progress. You won't please God. Because you're existing in pride. Which is an abomination, as Scripture tells us. God is preparing us in this hard times because he says, listen, I want to strengthen you for what I've got ahead for you. He says, listen, I've got some really wonderful things to give to you. But you've got to be spiritually strong enough to be able to handle it. We need to get back to the place where God is running our life. And what God desires is that word that so many hate, submission. Stop trying to lead life your way. I'm not saying do it my way. You need to do it God's way. We need to say, what does God want me to do? And follow. And the detour of life is actually the good hand of God and his love and care to protect us. Get back to the place you let God lead and guide your life. And you know what, my friend? You'll avoid a disaster of the Philistines. Because God knows when we're vulnerable and when we have the strength to face the enemies. Why don't we just start trusting? As we come to the time of invitation this morning, I really want to challenge you on that idea of a detour in life. How good are you at being a follower? I mean, just following God. Following the Word of God. Being faithful in the Word of God. How, how good are you at just the simple things? You say, it's hard. It is hard when we try to do it our own way. But God has called us to a thing, to a way, to a path in life that really is for our protection. When we begin to see life that way, that it's for my protection, I'll want to get under it. I'll want to get behind it. Get behind Him. And I can enjoy the path to the promised land and let God prepare me to be the man or the woman that we ought to be. We have the time of invitation. If I could have Mrs. Pat come forward, please. As I just preached here in Exodus 13 about a detour in life, maybe what you're going through right now, you need to just thank the Lord because it is a detour for your safety and your protection. Maybe as a Christian, you just need to learn how to submit. Submit to the leadership that God's given. Israel had to submit to Moses. They had to submit to God. And God gave Moses direction, and Israel followed. As a believer, may we just trust the Lord and follow his leadership and guidance.
and help us to get into all the promises that God has for us in this life and reap the rewards and crowns there in eternity. With all heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, as the music plays, I just ask that you would just talk with God however he's spoken to you. Before you can ever be led, you must first know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You must be born again. And if you've never been born again, you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you've never just simply put your faith in Jesus, not in being a good person, not letting your good works outweigh your bad works, because that won't get you to heaven. Simply by faith. Ask Jesus to forgive you and be your Savior. And Christian, we must be thankful for the detours that God gives that protect us from the unnecessary hurts. As the song will go through one more time, I trust that you would just let God lead and guide your heart and that you would follow. trust him was the song may we pray dear heavenly father lord i thank you for this day thank you for your goodness and grace father i'm thankful for the detours from what may seem as the easy path is in fact the path of death lord i pray that each of us as christians would have a will that is submitted to following your guidance and not leaning upon our own understanding but in fact do that which you would have us to do we love you we thank you and I just pray, if there's anyone that is not saved, Lord, that they would call out to you today. Don't stop trusting in what they think, and in fact, do what they know they need to do. Lord, we thank you for your grace. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.